Sounds good. And we're back again, back to back days. Yes. And we're back talking some hockey. It's been about two weeks. We were off for the holiday and Jeff was on vacation. So we're off for the last couple of weeks. Uh, I don't know if we missed anything in that time. Uh, Maybe Jeff can jog my memory. I don't know. I've been, I've been away. I've been focusing on the Phillies who are randomly doing well. Yeah. Uh Has anything happened? Anything crazy Uh, happened in the last two weeks, you know, like playoff wise or anything like nothing uh, important is coming up or, mm. Only thing oh, I, I got it. Of. I get it. Oh, you, you got there's it. New, oh, there, oh, yeah, there's a new Obi Wan episode coming out tomorrow. That's what it is. Yes, uh, that, that's exactly right. Episode five out Nailed of it. six is here, and we're. This is the second last episode in the sitting. Of course, well, I totally got that. But game one of the Stanley Cup final is here tomorrow, eight p.m. The Colorado Avalanche against the New York. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to. Uh, uh, I can't get through that one without laughing. No, of course not. It's the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion again, defending their title. Can they get a three P? And I actually want to kick it off this uh, podcast off with a question for you, Mike. And here it is: People are so mad that Tampa Bay is again for the third consecutive year in the Stanley Cup final. Are, are you tired of watching the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Stanley Cup final? Or I think after this, like I think me, after this year, I are may... you excited because the last time we saw a three-peat Stanley Cup champion was the, in the 1980s when the New York Islanders won four straight four from, yeah, from 1980 until uh, 83. So 80, 81, 82, 83. So that's the last time we saw a three-time think... defending Stanley Cup champion. I think it's kind of like the Tom Brady effect where people can't admit to how great he is now because they hate, they're a little fatigued or they just hate Tom Brady and they can't admit it now. But five, 10 years after he retires, like, you know what? That guy was actually pretty great. Well, 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 when he officially retires. Exactly. That's that's what I'm saying. When like five, 10 years down the road, when this, when the person, when he eventually retires and when they go five, 10 years past this time, you're going to go, wow, that's actually crazy yeah. um, that they're able to do it. And they it's not like it was a, out of nowhere. This team was battle tested for a while. Um, yeah. Kind of where, kind of where Colorado is right now and getting, play, uh, getting tested in the playoffs, early exits, um, maybe disappointing playoff runs that people thought they would have gotten farther on. Um, Tampa Bay also had that. Maybe not this iteration, but you also had it when you lost to Columbus right before mm-hmm. this streak happened of them taking, what, 12 consecutive series, is it? Something like that? Something ridiculous. Some crazy like number like that. Which, essentially, since they got swept by Columbus, they've gone on a tear. Yeah. And even before that, because wasn't it Stamkos on that team a while ago when they were in the Cup Finals? Uh, 2015. Yeah. Yeah. So the core group of Palat, Kucherov, Vasilevsky, because remember, that was his quote unquote coming up party because he had to come in. He had had to come come in in. in game one of the cup finals because Ben Bishop hurt his knee. Vasilevsky, he was there the right. He's a very young Andre Vasilevsky, but you saw really good of how he was only three years removed from being drafted in the first round. 
And it was ridiculous. The reason why he was so good when he came out is, and it's very rare, but how giant he seemed in that and still does. Yes. Because he can go side to side, not like Bob, where he can split. He doesn't have to make that big of an effort because he's already that big. That's exactly where I was going to go. But regardless, so that core is is still there Vasilevsky, Kucherov, Stamkos, Hedman. And Stamkos is staying healthy too. That's a big part of it. Yeah, there was a while there when he was getting hurt over and over again. Like I, at some I point, genuinely was worried for his career before that. I wasn't really worried for his cup. career. I was worried more so for his career in Tampa Bay. I thought Tampa at some point was said, "No, and, I, and, and he's given this guy a, a long enough leash. He keeps getting hurt. Maybe we can yeah. find somebody else in system because their system can pump I'll, out anyone, and they'll be great." It's literally like the New England Patriots. They'll grab a random player who's played a year of like you know uh you know <laughs> ball hockey and they'll make him a Stanley Cup champion five-time all-star kind of thing it's just you know, it's you know their scouting is ridiculous and it, it um, still ever since even without Steve Yasmin yes it, it that he I think he is he said the groundwork but it's still working Yes, exactly. And they again, did if it, it wasn't they for They also him, did it not always getting like first five no. picks. Some no. of them were some of them were um, high picks, so but they had Stankos and 08 was first overall. Hedman was second overall in 2009 behind John Tavares. was pretty high. Point he was like a second round pick, if I'm was not it? mistaken. Uh let me let me fact check that. Uh, da, da, da. Uh, yeah, third round, 79 overall, 2014. Again, like, that's ridiculous. Here's the one of the most ridiculous. So rally, third round. Yeah, that's a steal. Andre Pollock, he was a seventh round pick. I know he's not here now, but Tyler Johnson for the long time Johnson he was on, there. He was, a, he was undrafted. He, it undrafted. was down between the Chicago Blackhawks and the Tampa Bay Lightning. And that, and again, Steve Iverson called Tyler Johnson. Showed interest and you know Johnson, I need, one of those they, underrated players that was part of that triplets line with uh, I think it was Palat, Kucherov, and of course uh, Johnson, and those three dominated hockey. And obviously uh, they had during the early tenure. They had talent for a while there too, even before they got swept by yes. uh, Columbus. Uh, Columbus, and that's kind of where this kind of iteration of the Lightning kind of took place. But they it was trial and error because they realized, oh wait. We can't just rely on our skills. We have exactly. to get some grit. We have to get Pat Maroon, a guy like Pat Maroon, yeah. or Corey Perry. And, I, and I know credit, you don't. Li- I know you don't like I, the guy. I, but- I, I hate Corey Perry, but you got to give Julian Brisbois credit to not only getting um, Corey Perry, but actually Pat Maroon. Because if I'm not mistaken, that was already by the time Iserman left. Correct. Uh, I, I want to say check. that's when he left. It, it was either. Um, because the Blues won the cup in 2019, and then that offseason, Pat Broon signed with Tampa Bay. So, yep. again, I'm pretty sure, yep, Brisbane signed them. Are, Brisbane. Again, yeah. I am not the biggest fan of Julian Brisbane, but he actually, has no, done sorry, some that was great, just his most work. recent. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Mm. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, I was gonna say that's always bridge ball, but again, he's he's made some gutsy moves like trading two or three first for Brandon Hagel, uh, first as well for 
Barkley Goodrow a first for uh, Blake Coleman. But again, it's hey, if they Andre win the Palat, cup, hold on, Andre Palat was a seventh round pick. That, that's what I'm saying earlier. He was a seventh round pick, and he's a two time Stanley Cup champion, possibly a three time Stanley Cup champion. Mm-hmm. But again, going back to my original question, no. Am I tired of? The, Are you tired of a team like Tampa Bay? I think no. after this year, I'll get a little fatigued, but I think right. it's like, I, I like Tampa Bay. I like this team. I like, I, I personally I like, love Tampa Bay. It's not just Tampa Bay themselves. I just like the players that they got on the, on the team. I exactly. like the seal that they and, bring. And I like, yes. I like point. I like Sam coast. I like those guys. How can you not love John Cooper as a coach? He's one of my favorite we, coaches. And we can go on record too. Back when we started our podcasts, back in 2018 or whatever, back when there was kind of on that cusp of a playoff team or not, I believe, if not both of us, were thinking, should he be canned? Right. No, we, I, I, I remember that clear as day. We were, we were saying, like, they were there multiple times. 2015, they were there. I think we were uh, really saying it after they got swept, 17 in 18, they were there, uh, all in the conference finals. Uh, yeah, because again, they lost in six to Chicago in 2015. 2016, they lost to Pittsburgh. If not, hold on. I I, I look up their exact uh, uh, like uh, results by season because I can't remember. But again, because um, because one of the years they lost to the Penguins in the Cup Finals, and they had a they had a series lead too. Like, I'm talking like a two, if not three game series lead. So okay. Uh, Conf- Stanley Cup Finals, they lost 2015, 2016. They- oh, wow. Okay, it was 2015, 16, they lost the Penguins. 2016-17, they did not make the playoffs. 2018-19 is, is when they got swept by the um, Blue Jackets. But again, check out... Okay, so Ever since they won the cup in 2004, I was I'm going way, way back. Here's how they did. Conference quarterfinal loss, back-to-back years. They did make the playoffs for three years straight. Then they make that re- uh, remarkable run to the Santa Cup. I'm oh, sorry, conference finals when they still had Marty St. Louis, Vinny LeCavillet, 2010-2011, when they lost in Boston uh, in seven games. Uh, then they missed 2011, 2012-2013, uh, missed playoffs. They made the playoffs in 2013-14. They miss, sorry, sorry uh, they lost in the first round, and then they go to the cup, uh, the cup final. But under John Cooper, I think his first year as head coach was 2013-14, if not 2014-15. But either way, looking at all of his success, he has these deep playoff runs, excluding 2016-17. And then you get to 2018-2019, and they get swept. They had a 62-win season. They lost 20 games in I the believe entire that's, year. That was definitely when we were saying maybe it's time should to he look. Should there be a legitimate you know, replacement here? Because, yeah. again, again, it's I don't think it's anything against John Cooper. It's like they were – you know, the, the GM is getting all these players and everything. Again, at the time, Steve Eiserman, who really built this core group. And then from there, it's like, how much more coaching can you do? Also, or, let's, or what, also let's take it to account, too. Yeah. This. 
that four win in a row Islanders team didn't have to worry really about a salary cap. No team did before 2004, 2005. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry. This 2005, is, 2006. This is because obviously the lockout is 04 or 05. So yeah. before that, since no Stanley Cup champion team had to worry about the salary cap, they were probably over. So, yeah, this so is in the, the, the team, this is in the salary cap era with a team that's been very close for the last four years now, I guess you could say. And I would say being honestly, really close to seven years because again they made to the cup final in 2015. So I mean, more so then, on that cap hitting that cap ceiling. Yeah, okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. But because, regardless, though, um, you know, again, I remember there was a time when. We both were just like how we were kind of heavily saying before. Obviously, if that's going to end the Caps won the Cup, hey, is it time to strip the C kind of thing from him? You know, I was and never saying that. Maybe, I, I, I never thought to strip the yeah. C on. Him. No, I, I, I know you were. That, I know that, you were thinking about I, I know, it. I but. definitely was getting to the point because it's like you, you got to do something to really push this team. Um, <clears throat> but you know, another conversation for another day. But, um, you know, but as for John Cooper, though, again, it's like, how much could you have done? Because he was doing, I'm sure, everything he could. And it's like, you, you can only do so much for so long. But sometimes hey, just got to like, give. Look at Peter Laviolette. He's a great head coach, but some guys just. He's one of the best. And he's gotten You, you, you just need to switch it up. Sometimes you need to switch it up because he's not going as far as realistically on paper you say you do. Which you can right. kind of commend if you go back up to the Colorado side of it, which we'll get to our preview in a second of this whole exactly. series as a whole. But on, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, but so here, while you try to re- reclaim your thoughts, I will say um, for uh, John Cooper. The biggest thing for him is, and also again, oh yeah, Steve sorry, Eisenman I got. I'm back. Go ahead, I'm go, back. go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. They didn't, they didn't fire anybody. In the last couple of years, exactly. you could have said maybe they could fire him because they haven't gotten past the second round. When on paper, right. you'd think this team should be conference champs or in the conference final year after year. Yeah, they just weren't. That just takes to credit how how it's good to be a little patient with some guys. Cause sometimes like in a Colorado sense, it'll eventually work itself out. Right. Some of it's on coaching. Yeah. Sometimes it's on general manager in terms of and why again, a team isn't going as far as I don't know can. how much you can blame on the GM and Steve Eiserman. Cause again, he built, I'm just this talking, I'm just saying in general, in terms of right now, in general, going far. I, I agree with that. But um, again, Credit to Steve Eiserman, though. He recognized that, hey, we have a hell of a coach in John Cooper. We're keeping him. And I'm sure, especially after too. that sweep, and Brisbane. Um, I was going to say, because uh, I would imagine that by the time Eiserman left, I want to say, actually, he just stepped whose away. team he was fired. it? Whose team was it, though? That guy swept by Columbus. Was it Iserman or Brisbane? I want to say it was Brisbane. I don't know how. I don't know the. Actually, we can figure this out. Actually, hold on. Uh, Julian Brisbane. I was going to say he Cap became GM friendly. September eleventh, twenty eighteen. Okay, so so twenty nineteen. So that year, that's what it, it was. Would have been when they got swept, right? 
it was yeah, 18, so it, it was eighteen nineteen. Okay, so it was already um, Brisbane's team because yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 what's it called Iserman has been GM for three years, one month, and twenty six days, according to Cap Friendly. With Detroit. With Detroit, thank you. Wow, he was in Tampa as their GM for eight years. Almost eight and a half years. Mm-hmm. That's nuts. Which is um, why you think yeah, De- Detroit can kind of claim the same kind of success. Yeah. We'll see if it, I, I, we'll I still see if your fact, prediction ends up being true. But I know for a fact they're going to be a playoff team within that five-year span since Eisenman uh, became their GM. We're getting closer and closer towards that deadline, mm. but hey, they got another you know relatively high end. I think they have a top ten pick again. I'm not going to be surprised if Eisenman's going. It's it's not top five. I, I know that for a fact. Yeah. Um, it, but still, it's still top ten. But regardless, he's going to pull some Eisenman magic like he usually does. He's going to probably go off the board. And he's going to draft someone who many people are thinking at the time, what is this pick or. That's a yeah. little bit different, but it's Steve Eiserman. He knows what the frick he's doing, and he listened to his yeah. scouts. Ron Hostel. Um, so but I also think, before I get your thinking of the yeah. Tampa, I think a lot of people don't like that Tampa's going this far because it's a team in Florida. It's not exactly. a regional team. It's I, not a I, team that's been around for like 50-plus years. Look, it's not a team like look. that. It's a team that's in Florida. <laughs> that's why people Literally. Don't, older people, so older it's funny hockey fans that. don't like that. It's funny you mention that because I, it's, I have a, a, you know, of the, the hockey yes, group guys yes, yes, with yes. my college friends. I think a good, a couple of them are New York uh, Rangers, New York Rangers. How fans. dare they, Jeffrey? Hey, How oh, dare 100%. you? 100%. Hey, don't worry. I give them a lot of shit. <laughs> um, but no, so with that being said, though, um, you know, they added more and more Rangers fans, which is fine because, you know, I like to give them a lot, you know, of, uh, you know, I, I liked it to the Buster Chops whenever I can, but I, I uh, basically had almost all of them complain. You know, obviously not just because of the loss and everything to Tampa, but more importantly, mainly they the, were complaining that the loss of a head. I think I've had the guess. It, 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 it had loss. something to do with it. Yeah, but um, one of them was saying specifically, uh, Tampa Bay is in a hockey town. And if you look at it, I think they are, and you could argue Florida for the Florida Panthers is getting closer to it too. Um, the, if they have continuous success, I'd say maybe. Well, but. well, here's the here's a huge reason why too. Look at their attendance. They uh, they they mentioned it. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. They mentioned their sellout record. Uh, recently, uh, I think it was, and I can I can bring up the, their their stats too. They led the. Attendance report for the entire uh, for every home game uh, this year. They averaged just over nineteen thousand fans. Uh, they had the most fans during the entire season at home, of course. Um, so the fact that you know they and they had like a I can't remember what the the record was, but they had some kind of sh- uh, shutout uh, sellout record at Emily Arena. So I think that they're genuinely a hockey time. Again, they're getting. I think more it's more because becoming. again, I I think they may be. It's a probably bit. because of their success. To be fair, but again, they've had very successful teams the last several years. Well, you can also even before say, actually we can actually hmm. go forward with this too. Yeah, actually, because uh, I'll get to my that point too. Look at Nashville. 
That's what had success. Yes. They made it to the cup finals. They lost, but they still had that. They same made it to the of, conference finals, I believe. Or, or no, they probably may not have the same amount of fans that they did by the time they made the cup finals. But, but they when still they show get a lot up, of though, fans, they still right. do when the they same show things. Up, they show up extremely loud, packed, and everything. Yeah. They're still and doing the same things they were doing that in their uh, cup run than they they're doing now. Exactly. Vegas for, took one year. Took one year. It, it, I mean, it is Vegas, but still, it's not half of that. Yeah. Now again, it, a they lot also, of has to do with they success. also got success, and they really got into the community too when they first got and, in. And a very large part of that was their remarkable response and efforts for the Vegas Golden Knights. And this is something I know people do not like Vegas at all. And I love the fact that some teams are creating rivalries with them. I love that. It's great for the game of hockey. But their response after the horrific shootings at the concert in Vegas was unbelievable. It was remarkable that the Golden Knights, again, very new team. It was before their home opener. It was leading up to the home opener. And their the team's response and the front office, the staff, the workers there, they did a remarkable job literally going into the community, checking in on their fans and others around you know, their community. So they care. And that really, really yeah. pushed Which that makes team me to always do. Beg the question it was people... almost like a healing process for that city. Is the fact that they made to the cup, the cup final in year one, that was a tremendous uplifting moment that entire year for a you know, a city that was almost desperate for some kind of happiness because it was such a devastating moment. So that was such a remarkable, you know, uh, moment. And, and that's something you've got to we'll always have to give credit to uh, for, for Vegas for how well they handled that and, and their response. And now we can continue this kind of conversation at a later date or whatever in terms of what makes a hockey city. But my question is, what exactly is your definition of a hockey city at that point? Because Ooh. I know I know those people don't think Vegas, Nashville, or Florida are not hockey cities. Like, what is your definition? Because if you think Canada and you think Ottawa, there was a big hubbub about Ottawa not selling out when they won the playoffs in 2017. Yeah, um, Philadelphia. And, this and past year, a- the past couple of years, attendance has been dropping. Now that is due to team how the team has played. But again, yes. people and consider not because the of, Philadelphia not a hockey just city. Of COVID, Deep Scott. Um, so that's how, actually a very good question. Because again, attendance is one thing. It's I, I think that certainly stands out. Is that the main X factor? No. It's you. And I, honestly, I, again, we, we can continue to, this conversation. Yeah, I would a later say day. Well, we're probably going to. I might have to get back on this one because that's a great conversation. And a great question. And also, and I would actually, I, 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 I would also want to get hockey group chat the same question because yeah, I, I, I want to get that. everyone's opinions on this. You know, definitely comment below uh, on on what your thoughts are on what makes a hockey city, what makes a hockey town. I want to hear just everyone's because thoughts they're on in a warmer climate where hockey isn't pre- prevalent. Uh, again, it, it's pro- the only thing I can think of is, is you know, why people say, "Oh, they're not a hockey town," because you know, who when you get to Florida, why why would you think of hockey you know you uh, again why would you, you go think, to, why would you think arizona yet guys like sean couturier exactly. uh, have austin matthews austin matthews and guys and other guys i think yeah. have kind of grown up around that area you'd never think again, arizona why would you think la is a spot for a hockey team outside of it being la a big market. Uh, exactly uh california in general you know so and again 
Like it's like for the moment you step into Canada, you instantly think hockey. The more and more you step into the United States, though, you're thinking every sport but hockey. But over the last couple of years, that's I know that's really where, where you. I know you hate. I know you really have, helps up. I know you're you're gonna hate that I have to do this because I know you hate the guy. You do have to give some credit to Batman and hockey in general. Yes. But to trusting and putting these teams in these cities as, as and much trusting as I hate it Gary to work. Batman and despise on what he's done to the this National game has Hockey grown League is significantly. It, it's it really has. So I will give credit to him what credit is due. Who I don't know if anyone I could the actually make the cre- I can make the case right now that Vegas ho- hockey in Vegas would have worked it's just like how he thought Seattle hockey would work. It it's. Obviously, the, the first year was atrocious, but Nashville that's their GM's works. fault. And, Nashville's, and, Nashville's football and music. Yes. No one would have thought hockey. hockey. And look how well they've done. Um, now, I will say, again, I gave credit to Batman there. Because, uh, again, he must have had some idea. But, you know, especially with the and, – and just, like, how hearing the community's thoughts, and especially in Seattle, they sold out season tickets – in less than half a day. I think it took a couple hours. Yeah. So those. Obviously were, some cities didn't work, work out. Like Atlanta had to move. Right. Out of. And move to Winnipeg. Uh, but. Yeah. Unfortunately. Surprisingly. Unfortunately. Cool. That that's the only team that's really folded. moved. Yeah. I would say. Well. Yes. And no, in terms of the light had... and recent history. In recent. Okay. Recent thank you. History. Recent history. Yes. Yeah. But uh, I think you were going to uh, say one other thing before we kind of um, move on to uh, the next segment. Was I? You, you started to, and I, I kind of accidentally got off. So my bad there. <laughs> um, no, that's just a conversation it, we can have in another. another that, that's fine. Another that's time. Fine. Anyway, let's do a um, quick preview of the yes. 2022 Stanley Cup final between the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion, the Tampa Bay Lightning, against the Colorado yeah. Avalanche. And and before fun we even fact, someone brought this up the other day. This is the first Stanley Cup final where neither team. Uh, has an S in their team name. It's the dumbest stat ever, and I love it. Also, it's like the first time I can really remember where both teams in the cup finals are on paper, probably the best teams in each conference. Exactly. And, and that's to that me, is a little rare. I know it's rare, but to me, it, it kind of makes me a little, not annoyed, but... And I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, and we can circle back to it when the playoffs, and when the series ends and everything. Yeah, but to me, I still think these playoffs have been pretty lame. We were very, we, we were very, were, <laughs> we took we it were for granted that fortunate in that first round, round have, having so many game sevens. But none of the five series, out of the first eight series go to game seven. Yeah, but after Excuse that, me. none of the series really felt that it, close. Like I guess you can maybe say. The Rangers and Rangers and Tampa Bay, and then uh, Rangers in Carolina. Actually, that went to seven. Yeah, but I feel like Carolina wasn't great in these playoffs, only because it could only win home games, which again blows my mind. And, how can and for me, when which I yeah. guess it helps when you have home ice advantage where you can take advantage of it, and it costs them. But again, you lost still, at home. It, but it, you have in order regard, to yeah. you for to me in order for you to be able to make a deep playoff run, you have to win road games. You can't just Base when on your home ice, you have to take a game on the road at some point. Exactly, and again, that's what blows my mind: the fact that 
um, the Hurricanes, they literally did not win on the road in the playoffs. Nope. Like, Very surprising. How, if you if you expect to even make it to the conference finals, let alone the Stanley Cup, you need to win. You can't. You can't afford. No, they, they got hardly. I guess you could say one. they got lucky that they were first yeah. in the Metro and had home ice advantage so that far. Yeah. Playoffs. Otherwise, yeah, you wouldn't have had that. You wouldn't have had the game seven at home for the top. I think they got what both series went to seven. They were in against Colorado. Yeah. I get not Colorado, Boston, and uh, uh, New, York New York and Boston. Yeah, yeah. But that was really the only close series. I know the. Colorado and St. Louis went to six. And even when we talked about it two weeks ago, however, when that series was still going on, they get St. Louis got distracted, got uh, caught up in Dawson Cadre. And by yeah. the time they regrouped, the series was already over. So going to forward to with this uh, series as a whole, to me, and I know you, you were saying it, I saw you tweet you had the other day and kind of giving your earlier predictions of how you thought and you thought one way of yeah. was playing versus not playing. Um, but I feel like I'm leaning Tampa Bay all the way. I'm going six, but I could also see going five if I'm being completely honest here. But I I'm going to be more really realistic hope and this think goes six. a minimum of six. I really hope this goes minimum of six. And I'll even go. I want a great series. I don't, again, the thing I hate the most, especially in the last two rounds of the conference finals and the Stanley Cup final, are sweeps. It's the worst thing that could have happened to hockey. I don't care if it's a one nothing, two to one, a one goal game, everything yeah, going to overtime. It could be a very close series, but if that series score is four nothing, I hate it. Yeah. Again, we almost had that twice when the Kings won their both championships. The Devils, they won two straight and forced a game six. And I thought that the way it ended was great. In 2014, the Rangers won game four to force a game five, but then lost. So that wasn't as great. Again, you have some very close games in the the first two games in 2012. Kings-Devils went to overtime, and I thought that was awesome. But again, the fact they took a 3 nothing series lead, but then thankfully the Devils won two straight to make it a series – um, I, I just hate sweeps, especially when it comes to the conference finals and the cup final. It, it ruins the game a bit. And you just want to see it because then I get it. Teams are exhausted. They're beat up. They're just absolutely brutally you know, done with hockey, essentially. And they know they, they got to put it just a little get enough out of the tank that just a little bit more uh, from the tank just to, to get Lord Stanley uh, rightfully so. But um, <clears throat> excuse me. Again, if this goes six, a minimum, I, I'm going to be happy. If it goes seven, hell, even better. It's not going, it's not going seven. I, I, I know, that. and that's the thing. I want to be surprised. I would say I would get a seven. And this is why I find it lame too, because I'm saying Tampa because I feel like they were tested more in these playoffs. Colorado was not tested. They at all were hundred percent. Yeah. The only series we so could have said they could have been, but St. Louis St. lost Louis. that series. St. Louis lost the series because they got distracted with Kadri. You can make the exactly. Argument. They let their emotions get the best of them. I know. And I six, will say, I don't care if Bennington was in net for that and never got. They here. still would have. They were still going to lose. Bennington wasn't doing great to begin with for that series. Exactly. He is overrated. Tell us how you really feel about Johnny Bennington, Jeffrey. <laughs> 
So I don't think we anyway. have enough time for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, but look at Tampa's run at this point. They faced Toronto in the first round, which that goes to seven. That goes to seven. They had a rough go of it in that series. Point gets hurt but, in that series. One of your star yeah. players, where in pre- past, past playoffs you've seen uh, teams fold because one of their star players gets hurt or something exactly. like that. And it just not that's the domino effect. They, not Tampa. Just, not only just sweep the Florida Panthers, the President's Trophy winners, they just crucified yeah. them in the also, second round. They've won all their series without Braden Point. Which so is scary. Just, even if I, it's, it seems more and more likely that he may be playing game one because it's he, he's, he's taking, practicing and it, it yeah. looks like according to Joe Smith at the Athletic, he was practicing on the third line. I think earlier today there is a chance he plays in game one. Here's my thing for Braden Point: don't play him in game one. Just let him rest. You have one more full day to rest him. Yeah. Just let him rest. The and worst already, thing that can happen is you're down one nothing in the series. Who cares? You're the two-time Stanley Cup defending champions. Yeah. You've faced so much diversity before. The fact that you won three series essentially without them, or you could say two and a half, I guess. Should build the confidence of the team that you can do it without them. Exactly. And the fact that once you see And you have a good enough team around them that and it so the matter that, much that either. lineup with his name, Braden Point, starting. That the amount that of would make me that would almost make me if point is if points playing and he has an impact in the game, I'm almost a little more thinking five. I'm still going to say I six, say, but I'm leaning a little yeah. more five at that point because the only so here's so it reminds me of when Steven Stamkos came back in 2019 2020 during the first cup for Tampa Bay the, the bubble year. I, it was, he, made the one, was, he made the one game where he played, he scored a goal, and then he wasn't playing for the rest of the series. Right. But again, the presence he made in that lineup for the first 10, 15 minutes of that, he played three shifts maximum. He scored a goal on one of those shifts. But again, the fact that his presence on the ice was even there, it was something that team yeah. needed so badly. Because I don't know if they would have won – I mean, they, they won at six, but still, they, they could have lost in seven. If, if Stamkos didn't come back, I, I really think, because again, Anton Hudobin, he was playing out of his mind that playoffs. They had Joe Pavelski, um, who he was playing out of his mind, who I think was my cup, uh, sorry, Consmith's favorite at the time for Dallas if they won. Overall, though, it's, it, and I think, because I was watching um, a little earlier, um, like you know, behind the scenes of the of the you know Lightning Cup run because I, I like to I, I I'm a hockey now I like to watch stuff like that Nerd. and I can't remember it was one of their better players uh, I can't remember who it was they're basically saying that or it was maybe Kevin Chandler for Zach Bogosian um, they were saying that um, you know even in a Stephen Samkos who's only eighty percent is a lot better than a good um, is better than most of the guys in the league, and that tells you what you need to know about the guy. He's a pure goal scoring talent who's an all around good. Obviously, he's more offensive defensive, but he's defensive moments. Regardless, it shows you what right. it's like to have in their lineup. So the same thing with Brandon Point. They're doing extremely well without him. But when they see him on the ice with them, 
their confidence levels is going to skyrocket through the roof. Yeah. And but- again, with fans again back in the arena, you, you had last year, you had fans again in the arena, thankfully. Just the atmosphere of Emily Arena, even Ball Arena, the formerly the Pepsi Center, which is by far a better freaking name than Ball Arena. Um, by far, it is easily both remarkable atmospheres. Yeah. So the fans are going to play a big part of this too in just pumping up their teams. Yes. Jeff and I did talk about if that is worth it or how much of it. Uh... Yes. Impact uh, home ice advantage or home field advantage works. Unfortunately, we couldn't do a video because Zoom sucks, but (laughs) you have to go back a couple months on Undertaker's podcast if you want to hear that segment. Yes. And again, you'll have to hear it and not watch it. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Or or you'd see Jeff the whole time because Zoom sucks. Yeah. But then you'll just uh, see me just sitting there. "Mm -hmm, Yeah. Yeah. yeah, When he's not talking. (laughs) (laughs) But Going back to my thinking, though, of Tampa Bay being a little more uh, tested, because if you look at Toronto, to me, they have just as much firepower as Colorado does. They have arguably, to me, the third best player in the league in Austin Matthews. They're yep. about to play the second best player in the league in Austin, uh, Nathan McKinnon. Yep. Yeah, the next round, it was pretty easy, but in Florida's defense, and please don't get offended for the Panthers fans by the baby comparison, but you're in pretty infant stages of being a a playoff contending team. You made a good, you made a good round. Sadly, and this is true. I'm only a couple months older, but I was older, a little bit older than your last playoff win prior to this playoffs. So just take that and just go from it from there. Just been, we talked about that last. uh, Um, Also interesting. And the news of development for Florida real quickly, they did let go. uh, It was two assistant coaches Mm -hmm. um, the other day. So they're, they're revaluing their staff a bit. And I'm wondering if they're going to do the same thing with Andrew Burnett. We both know our feelings on Burnett as a coach. Um, We can get talked about it last time. If you want to check that out, it's probably below this podcast you listen to now. Um, but, and then this last series, they came back from down two, essentially, because the first game was a little rusty. The second game they won. And really, once they scored the 40 seconds before going to overtime or whatever in game three, that changed the series forever. And at that point, I think, and I can only speak for myself there, but to me, at least, it seems it was going to be Tampa taking the series at that point. Yeah. Because that was a series changing moment. Elliot Freeman tweeted out an hour ago, John, according to John Cooper, he said, there's a chance Braden point plays game one. If it's not tomorrow, really anticipate game two. So that being said, I honestly do believe Tampa Bay could win this in six. I I don't think I have it going to six. I, I say it's six regardless. It's either going to be uh, Tampa in six, if not Colorado in six. But again, let's see how Tampa responds. They've been off for a little bit, um, so we'll see what happens. But then, I'll be honest with Brandon here. Point going to be in the office of the uh, lineup by game two, depending on how game one goes, Tampa could close this out in five. I'll be honest here. And I said this a while ago, and it's not because of my thinking on this. I made a bold prediction that I think this is going to be the closest that this version of the Avalanche are going to be to winning the cup and they're not yep. going to do it or being in the cup and winning it. Yeah. And I just don't think it's going to happen. 
um, especially with Bruce Cassidy that we haven't mentioned yet, uh, now looking like he's going to be the coach of the Vegas Golden Knights. It is official that the Vegas Golden Knights tweeted out just uh, about 10, 15 minutes ago. They officially have hired uh, Bruce Cassidy as their third coach in NHL history. Oh, sorry, yes. uh, in franchise history, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm not with it today. Um, so, yeah, so, so that was very and interesting news. If you look at the flip side that of it, the last hour. I think it's a double-edged sword that Colorado has had a pretty easy playoff runs. You've had two sweeps. Yeah, they the first round. Nashville. You swept Nashville. You swept Edmonton pretty easily, which is not a surprise. That, and that I, was in and round I mentioned three. before, like a minute or so ago, about essentially to me, uh, I think St. Louis. St. Louis imploded more than Colorado really needed to try. And again, I really don't believe. Or had their, or that, oh, if Bennington was healthy, they would have won. No, Colorado no, I also was don't by far the better team. They lost. They've only lost two games so far in this series. So to me, I feel like they haven't really been put into any pressure situations or their backs. Are Unfortunately, too not. And the West is, and I'll just say, the West isn't as good as the East is. No, the, the East, East is, is by far better. the dominant conference. But far. you don't. You're not going up against Mike Smith anymore. You're going up against no. the best goaltender in the league. You're going up against a better defense than you've had to face. The only exception has yeah. maybe been Roman Yossi, who I think is the best defender in the league. But he's just one and guy. one, actually two issues for uh, Colorado. Both have to relate to defense. One, defenseman wise, actually defense wise, you're out. You're still out with Sam Gerrard. He's been out since round one, if not almost round two, begin round two with a broken serum. He's out for the entire playoffs. That's a huge blow to to is Kadri's, defense. Kadri's still out, or is he? Did he? Kadri's still out too, from what I remember hearing. There is a chance he could play this series. I think we'll probably see him by game two, if not possibly game three. That's just my personal opinion. I, I don't know that for a fact. Just just throwing out there my opinion. Um, also, like- defensive-wise, goaltending, by easily a horrible matchup in, in net for the Avalanche. It's a nightmare of a matchup. Well, Again, to like, my knowledge, uh, Darcy like, Kemper uh, is still Kemper's- out. But I, I thought I saw somewhere saying that he made he said he feels hundred percent. So I think he's fine. Okay. Well, so so that changes it. Again, if and again, there's no oh. disrespect to Pavel Fran Pavel Francis or Francois, however you want to pronounce his, his name. Uh with that being said though, uh if you have Darcy Kemper in the net compared to yeah, that's a, that's an upgrade, Francis, yes. yeah. It's significantly an upgrade. I don't it's think it's a enough very big upgrade. Um, defensively wise, yeah, you have Cal McCarstone. You got Josh Manson now after you traded or got him from Anaheim. Uh, but blue line, I'm still giving it to Tampa because they have the second best defenseman to me in Victor Hedman. And they still have a good blue line in general. And then yeah. depth scoring wise, I also give to the Lightning, which makes me think. Lightning in six. I think they'll s- split in Colorado. I think Tampa's actually going to take game one because there's going to be a little bit of nerves. In some Colorado Because, again, Tampa Col- Bay's been here. Yeah, they're, they're, the main core of Tampa has been here before. This is the first time Colorado's been here. There's going to be some rust because they haven't played in a couple of days and some nerves, I think, because it's going to be the first time they've been in the cup finals. Um, unless there's anyone who played on that team that won the cup final back in uh, what 2001, 
2002, somewhere around there. Yeah, it was 2001 against the New Jersey. And last Devils time I checked, seven. I don't think they have they've have anyone who's played on that team. So uh, no, yeah, I don't even uh, actually think Phil except for was born yet. <laughs> uh, but I just think the the experience of Tampa is just going to take it, and it's been something. I even in my bracket, I said I had Tampa winning it all. So Tampa in six. There you go. That's Ooh. how I think the series is um, going to go. I want to check this. So just out of curiosity. Okay. And okay. That was last year. I need to go. So I want to see for, I think it was because I'm, I'm trying to see how Tampa Bay has done the last two Stanley cups. Um, in game one, remember year one, they faced off against the Montreal Canadiens. Um, sorry, you go like way back because that was during a very strange bubble year, and that was just bizarre as ever. Okay, so game one, Dallas won four to one. Uh, again, this shouldn't matter, but I'm matter. just genuinely curious. Matter, no. Game one for against the Montreal Canadiens last year, Tampa Bay won five to one. So, again, but but uh, also but the I reason think I was bringing is, up has an excuse ex- me has enough experience and they just came back from down two against the Rangers. Right. right um, exactly. I don't think um, being down one means anything. I think both series, they had to wait a little bit to play kind yes, of like that is true. One. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, except for the second round, second round. Cause they went seven against Toronto. First round was against Toronto. Second round was Florida. Mm-hmm. Florida, thank you. Yeah, nice but um, again, yes. So that's, that, again, it's just something I'm curious. Um, here's a crazy stat, though. This is by far the stat of the week. Andre Vasilevsky in his last eight elimination games, 0.991 save percentage, a 0.25 goals against. I mean, had, in, in his last series clinching victories, 200 shots. Again, uh, uh, 200 shots against one goal allowed. That's absurd. That's far from absurd. Yeah. That, 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 that's almost like illegally absurd. <laughs> he's a good goalie. I don't know what to tell you. He's, he's the best yeah. in the league. But yeah, how are you feeling on the series though? You're thinking six? I, again, it, it, there's a couple factors. If Darcy Kemper's playing, that's already a big factor for me compared to Francis. Um, is Br- when is Brittany Point playing? It sounds like possibly game one, if not most likely by game two. I, I still feel like worst case scenario for Tampa Bay, they'll close it out in six. Depending on how Kemper is, again, he's been he's hasn't played. He's been out with that eye injury. That could be a big factor too. You go with the relatively keyword relatively because he's been kind of uh, a hit or miss. Um, you go with Pavel Francis. Uh, so, I mean, he was able. They were able to beat Connor McDavid. So, I mean, true. I, I also but, just don't trust Colorado's defense. Like, I don't think a lot of Colorado. I don't really trust Jack Johnson on defense. I don't either. Um, and seeing how that for I don't want fourteen goals put up in one game again. Um, no. And I don't think it's going to happen because of just how good and uh, Vasilevsky is. I, and I, I think with 
realistically, I'm saying six. Also, I think Colorado or Tampa Bay is good enough where they can play either style if they have to. If they yes. want to do that fun kind of play with a lot of style and uh, offense, they finesse. can do that. Yeah. If, yeah, finesse. If they have to play a more defensive-oriented game, they only one, like one nothing, two one, something like that, they can do that as well. Colorado only knows one kind of style and, and playing style, and that's offensive explosion left and right. So and I am very curious on that. how they'll respond with if it's a very defensive game. And that's just how I see their, you know, their playing style. Because if you look at their team, sure they got some guys who are good defensive forwards, but for the most part, they got nothing but offensive. Firepower, even on defense, of course. Yeah, Camaro's um, good, but I don't know if he's good enough to slow down the firepower of Tampa. Exactly. Um, I say worst case scenario for Tampa Bay, they close out in six. Best case, they went in five. Yeah. Again, that. I'll put it this way. My final thought on this Stanley Cup final, it's a win-win for me because you get a, your first three-peat since 1988 to 83. Worst case scenario, you get the Colorado Avalanche, Nathan McKinnon. You get Stanley Cup champion in them. And then the first time for a cup for Colorado since 2001. So either way, it's a win-win. Don't have to worry about Boston. Don't have to worry about Pittsburgh. Don't want to have to worry about New York. It's a win-win. It's true. Yeah, I don't really have to worry about those teams in a little bit now, though. Um, but let's switch up gears a little bit here uh, out of uh, playoff or Stanley Cup and everything and actually talk about our uh, uh, we have to do it people we have to do it there are two no we don't I mean we don't we, no, don't, we don't have to but you know it's, <laughs> it's, our, it's our team we kind of it, yeah yeah it's, it's kind of there. the elephants in the room I mean we should probably acknowledge them um but and we're gonna continue. I, we are gonna continue this kind of series. I don't know if I want to call it a series or segment or whatever uh, throughout the off season. But I was just kind of curious, just with the Flyers off season, just players that can kind of go after and everything, um, just going forward or just for next year and how they can um, kind of benefit the team. I think today we're gonna look more at free agents. I think next time we're gonna look at potential trade targets they can go after. Um, um, and also they're narrowing down their coaching searches. It sounds like um, down to Barry Trotz, John Totorella, and for some reason, Peter DeBoer. Yeah. Who has been fired the names two I keep times seeing, in the last four years. Yeah. The names I keep seeing is, of course, Barry Trotz and John Tortorella. I get where they're going with Tortorella. I'm going to hate it if they do, but... I, I really don't know which direction they're going to go for. Because you know, both coaches demand respect. I will give them that. I think Trotz will be the more likable coach to play for. Really the only player that's going to absolutely benefit from playing for Torts is Cam Atkinson. And you could argue Kevin Hayes because he used to play for him in New York. It's true. Other um, than that, and I don't doubt he's Almost I don't nobody. think he's a bad coach. And it's not that he's a bad coach or a I bad guy his, or anything. No, it's just uh, again, his, off, his off the ice coaching and style outside of hockey. 
He's a very kind, yeah, genuine guy. Yeah, we're not like, dating, we're not dating the guy. We just want him to coach the team. <laughs> um, but it's just I don't know how the young. I think um, I texted you this yesterday or the day yeah. before when we were talking about John Turrell or something. I think the veteran guys, older guys, will be fine with taking orders from him or getting the respect from him and everything. And if he calls you got if he calls you out or anything like that, I don't think they have any issue with that. It's some of the no. younger guys where I don't know if they're going to be able to benefit from it. Guys Again, like for Travis example, Konechny or that, that is my prime example. Yes. Yeah. Or, or what if you have like a struggling Ivan Provorov? How would yeah. someone like? Well, again, well, how how did Torts handle Zach Wierenski? I genuinely don't know. I'm just you know more so asking out loud is how do you think he handled him in Columbus? Because again, another young defenseman at times he struggled. Yeah. He struggled, um, but he had a good, decent pair. He was with Seth Jones, so well, Seth Jones could. Uh, Zach Wierenski for me is more of an offensive defenseman. Yes, definitely. And for that pair, when they were there, and I haven't really paid, because Colorado's kind of fallen off, I haven't really paid attention to uh, Colorado, or Columbus, sorry. Um, Thank you. And, <laughs> but for those times when they were together, Seth Jones would take, from what I saw, would take majority of like defensive responsibilities, which would allow yeah. Wierenski to do whatever. To jump up on the play. Which, if you go to the flyer sense. And if Ellis is healthy and actually can play majority of the season next year, that could actually kind of benefit Provorov more in a way, because you can maybe rely on Ellis a little bit more in the defensive oriented way. But I think Provorov's good enough defensively where it can be a little more two way. Um, yeah. I think it's just a matter. It's a matter of who they bring in assistant coach wise to getting him to. I think it's big too. Cause again, so actually, and this is something that's, um, been reported. I don't know if it's been finalized, but it sounds like Mike Yo could be heading to Vancouver as an assistant coach. Okay. So that's big because not only so it's been known that he's not coming back to Philadelphia as their head coach. Sounds like he's not coming back. Period. Which honestly, God. you could need a, a uh, you know breath of fresh air. I get it. He's a likable guy. I personally have nothing against him. Uh, he he. He's not a head coach. I'm sorry. He's not a head coach by any means. I'll put it I'm bluntly. sorry. I'll put it bluntly. He's, He's not a head, head coach, coach by any yeah. means. Um, is he an assistant coach? Sure. Uh, but with what he did here in Philadelphia, I don't think his duties were used the right way. No. He, had he was used to run the penalty kill in Philadelphia. And yeah. the two or three years he was... Our special team yeah. suck. Like, just put it bluntly. Yeah. So, <laughs> with that being said... The Flyers need to heavily reevaluate the power play coach, the special teams in, in uh, sorry, um, yeah, in general, including the penalty kill. Michelle Terrian is gone, which is yeah, he was gone crazy. when L. Vigneault was gone. So, but still, he's gone, and the fact. But he's, he's you can also crazy. go back because Michelle Terrian, in a way, has a very similar coaching style as John Tortorella. And if right. and that him, kind of frightens me, yeah. Um, and again, so, he does have a ring, even though it happened in 2004. He's got a ring. He does have a ring. It happened a while ago, and NHL has definitely changed the players, Big and time. everything has changed. He got so to the just, conference finals with the Rangers in. I'm uh, sorry, no. Um, wait, hold on. Yeah, was was it the Rangers? He made it to. 
or was that no that was Vigneault. no that was Vigneault. i so i like i thought uh um oh no 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 he, he did get to the conference finals in 2012 with rangers when they lost to the devils who went to the cup that year so That's so true. that that was accurate but you know the the cup against uh um the kings in 2014 that was av yeah. Um, but so again, my worries are really like, like Tortorella, near, old New York Rangers coaches, don't we? <laughs> yeah, for whatever reason. Um, although again, AV, I really thought he was going to be a great head coach here. Yeah, I still think he could have been. I just think just how stuff kind of played out and everything just, just, it just didn't work for some reason. Um, that's, like, I don't know what they're looking for. Are they looking for a guy who wants respect? Or are they looking for a guy who's I think no matter what, they're getting a guy or... that gets respect. Because you have that in both Barry Trotz and John Tortorella. They yeah. demand respect. They both want to no, I don't. I ain't get no respect. <laughs> you know what also doesn't get no respect? Airline food. <laughs> oh, I ain't get no respect. <laughs> uh, but yeah I, and looking at the guys we're looking at and obviously because Peter DeBoer has been in the West we aren't really good to see him two times a year I don't, I don't really know enough about his playoff or coaching style to really know if he's going to be a little more defensive or offensive oriented right but it definitely seems like they're looking more towards a guy who's going to be defensive oriented head coach which I don't know how I feel because it's like if it's uh, and both of them have had success in their systems. Obviously, Tortorella was the team that last beat the took out the Lightning in the playoffs. Um, that was a Tortorella team that did that. Um, Still, the last team to uh, take out the Lightning. Yeah, um, and Trotz almost made it to the Stanley Cup Finals twice in the last two years with a, a lesser team. You could argue on paper with the Islanders. Yeah. They took the Lightning to Game 7 last year. Yeah. They took them to, I think, 7 both times. Um, I can't know because the 2020, that was 6. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, still, that, that's a good fight. Um, I don't have any issues with Barry Trotz's system. We know what his system's like. He know, took the New York Islanders, oh, the and he also worst defensive team with... in the NHL. To one of the best, and he did that in, in a year. like three months. He pretty much did that, yeah, because for some reason the Capitals didn't pay him or didn't want to give him a contract, which was dumb. It was, After and then they just brought won Kevin their, in. their goddamn Stanley Cup, <laughs> and then again, then they brought Kevin in, yeah, and I was an assistant in Pittsburgh, yep. <sighs> Yeah, if you and I still think, and I, I kind of gave you a little theory on this. Am I thinking on it? I think it just may come down to a little bit of money in terms of trots is going to probably demand a little bit more. Where I think the Flyers have the advantage because for Comcast Spectacor, they're throwing away money like there's no tomorrow. They're not worried about what it's going to take to pay these guys. It shouldn't. And, but and it, the right coach. It's It, it should, but what matters to them is, hey, we need someone who knows how to win. They both know how to win. you got to give them that. For Barry Trotz, though, he's the better coach. He's won more recently. And he's someone I think players 
will be able to play for and not you know and i think he can there's there's a whole rumor that matt barzell and barry that basically matt barzell forced barry trotz or sorry forced um old man uh whatever is grumpy lou you know he forced lou lamoreau's hand by it saying oh it's gonna be me or, or trotz which is it I don't know how true that is. I, I but again, what worries me slightly is again. I can kind of how does can, he do I it? Kind of see that, but also yeah. because I had a slight inkling, and in at least in the bubble, yeah. where I felt at times he spurs I was being a little selfish. So I can make, no, he definitely. Again, was. I'm seeing it, it from afar, kind of from afar, because I was from a non-Islanders perspective. Well, yeah, sure, um, but I've definitely I I can kind of see him being a little bit of a cocky kind of guy kind of thing and i, I, I kind of think see him is. thinking i mean yeah also because i feel like this sports landscape has kind of changed in the last few years where if guys are unhappy they're just gonna say like all right change trade me like uh Dabrowski did but he didn't get traded and now he's like nope. oh i'm fine playing in boston <laughs> yeah yeah because i feel like that's it's just how sports has changed a little bit where if guys are unhappy they're just like, all right trade me or make a change kind of thing I think that's just kind of how it is. And also, I don't think he needed much persuasion, pers- needed persuading from Bersal uh, to trade or to fire. Uh, yeah. So that just in Lou's uh, DNA is just to fire head coaches. It really is. Um, I will say, though, my only thing about Trotz is, and again, no idea what he's like in Nashville compared to the Islanders and, of course, Washington, but. How do you think he handled younger? But I, I think Washington would be an easier team to, to kind of judge because we saw them a lot in the Metro. How do you think he handled the younger players? I think fairly well, because I think he, he hasn't got enough coach where he can adapt his system to fit what the team has. Because yeah. his system from Washington was significant, but it's not significantly different, but it was different from the system he had in New York. So, so th- that's what interests me, though, the most is because obviously it was when you definitely have Ovechkin, when you have Ovechkin, your system's going to be all right. You're not going to make Let's... him a defensive player. Well, no, you're going to put him in. You're going to try to get him in a situation to succeed. Yeah, bringing guys around him who can help him with with that. Because again, he's a winger; he's not a center, so you can't really drive that much in terms of the play and everything. Uh, there's only so much you can do. Um, so he built a system that around kind of Ovechkin that works for them. Um, and then in New York, he saw the team he had in front of him and thought, all right. But this- to be fair, though, you do have more defensive-minded players, kind of like how how Craig Berube coached in Philadelphia compared to St. Louis. It was vastly different. He tried to basically change the team, and it failed. You know, but like he he made the yeah. playoffs somehow. Sometimes, in year one. It, sometimes like it works. Sometimes it does. And that's why yeah. I think you, I think that's why we kind of he- we're a little hesitant of going for a defensive oriented coach. Right. The last time we had that, it was Craig Ruby, and it didn't work. And I have nothing against Chief. I love him. I think he's you know a good. Yeah, coach. I got a, I got a lot. Of, I got, uh, I'm not a big fan of it, Chief. Chief. Well, after I was gonna the, say after the after these playoffs everything with Kadri, and everything. Though, yeah, 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 obviously yeah, yeah. everything with Kadri, the respect levels kind of unfortunately died down a bit. Uh, here's the other question, real quick. Let's say that obviously it sounds like it's down to trots or torts. Could you, if you pay him enough money, and it might be a little ridiculous? Guys. No, not that. No. Bring in Rick Taga as an assistant coach. I mean, maybe. Because again, 
Because again, you clearly have a you know, you have good coaches in both Trots and Torts. I'm not a fan of Trots. Sorry, uh, Torts. I, I love Trots, and he's my preference in these two. I want Rick Tockett to come back to Philadelphia. I think he's the kind of player. Sorry. Well, put players coach really that you need. Yeah, I think that's so why people it, think he would be a good coach because to see him can, can. And we've mentioned it many times how he can be like Rob Brindamore, who's more of a to me yeah. a players coach. And so I recently listened to his, his most recent appearance on the Spit and Chicklets podcast, and he talked about you know which when one he uh, with Brindamore uh, Rick or okay. And so with. Um, I would say uh, with his, I think it was when he when he was in Pittsburgh as an assistant coach. I would say that uh, when when players wanted to, I guess, talk to Mike Sullivan or anything like that, they would actually. Uh, again, it depends on the situation. I think sometimes when they were frustrated, they would go ahead and talk with Rick Tockett instead, kind of thing. So, so I think that there is. Um, times where that could be extremely useful where you would need someone like Tockett who understands he's been everything from an assistant coach to a head coach so he understands both sides yeah and he, he talked about how much more responsibility it is uh being an assistant because it's everything that a regular head coach does not deal with essentially so with that being said i think he would be a perfect assistant coach I don't know what his preference is. I think my, yeah, I would I was say, say sure. He would, I would imagine again, we both loved how he coached Arizona team. Unfortunately didn't do well. It's just not good. It's, again, nice and I've made this comparison too. It's like when you coach the Jets or the Jaguars, you know what you're getting into. You're not going to have a good record afterwards. You're probably exactly. going to get fired it, in two years. What you see. Exactly. That's yeah. So, over under is two years. I on the, on the I would like to see Barry Trost, the head coach, Rick Tockett as the assistant coach. Yeah. I think that's I think really the winning he, formula here. If he wants to go back to being an assistant coach, or if he likes, if he prefers being a head coach at this point. And and, and again, there's and like if, I mentioned, if he and, doesn't and, like and any he oppor- stated, opportunities, he can obviously just go back to TNT. Yeah, they would and, and that's true too. So. They, they really would. I think he does a great job on TNT, but uh, I think that the, the ho- hockey team sorely needs him, and it's this hockey team that sorely needs him. Yeah, is the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, I guess he also could go to Winnipeg or like Detroit, somewhere like that too. If he's not, I think he would. Wise, I'm I'm curious on who Steve Eiserman hires in Detroit. Jeff Blashill is out of the picture with Detroit, thankfully for them. So I think their playoff run begins now. With that being said. It also can be. I, I wonder if a guy like Paul Maurice could be their head coach, if not Rick Tockett. Mm-hmm. But also, you have so, Elaine Vigneault out there we'll too. So I, I don't know where he and Elaine Vigneault. So we'll see. So, with him, so yeah, but yeah, I anyway, would like we'll, that too. We'll, we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, but so uh, final prediction though: Trots or Torts? Not not who do you want? Who do you think will be the coach? John Tortorella. Unfortunately, I'm on the same thought process here. It's going to be John Tortorella as the next Again, coach I think for John Tortorella because I think he's going to be a less expensive option because I think Trotz is going to demand a little bit more. But still, I, that, that's it the shouldn't only come, fact where it shouldn't I think come Tom down to, court, it shouldn't come down comes to that, back but, and says, hey, here, here's a blank check. Here's money we're throwing at you. Enjoy. That's what they should do. They should, I think that's they what should they honestly, I'll, I'll say this to them. They should do what, because it sounds like 
his mindset of what Barry Trotz is right now is very similar to where Bryce Harper's was when he's was yeah. hitting free agency. And you saw what the Phillies did. They pretty much made him feel welcomed yeah. and everything. And I feel like that if the Flyers are genuinely interested in wanting Barry Trotz, they have to do a similar thing because it sounds like he wants to be somewhere he can be there for a while. Yeah, they, they need to literally make and him he's feel... Play, again, he coached both the Capitals and the Islanders, so he knows this division. But so has yeah, Tortorella. Tortorella's coach, coach Columbus and the Rangers. So And Tampa, but that was a while ago. That's true. But yeah. Uh, yeah, let's say that for another time, actually. That sounds good. Alrighty, I think yeah. that's. I think that's all uh, we, we have this week. Right now. Yeah, until next week again. I kind of previewed it a little bit, but I think uh, over the next couple of weeks, since uh, obviously the season's running down, we're going to get into off-season mode. Which off-season mode obviously means we're going to be talking flyers. Uh, we will obviously be looking at free agency, draft, trades, and all the yeah. crazy stuff that happens during the free agency. But I think we're going to specifically going to look at certain flyers things, like I mentioned looking at potential targets uh, free agent wise uh, trade wise um, maybe guys in system who can make an impact something like that yeah um, I mean, we'll bring up uh, and this is probably too late to talk about now but uh, it's a thread from Chris Pronger he tweeted out uh, back in late April just the travel in the Eastern Conference as he put put it was light years better than the West he said after playing in Philadelphia I'm not sure there's a better located city in the NHL travel. We would take an Amtrak to New York City in Washington, a bus to New York to play the Devils, 45-minute flight to Pittsburgh, and maybe 20-minute flight to Long Island to play the Islanders. In bed most nights no later than 1 a.m. So I'm wondering if the travel factor could be a possible element that Barry Charles is weighing in on, too, according to Jason Moradis, uh 97.5 Fanatic uh, host. It, in could, Chris, be, it, it yeah. could be, but his family and where he was – is in, in Winnipeg, yeah, in Winnipeg. So that would so, make me think you'd want to go towards somewhere more central. Exactly. So I don't know on how big of a factor that is. Um, but again, I think traveling for Trotsky, I, mean, I think stated, that could be a, he stayed in the last two places he's been in. So yeah, and you could say Philadelphia, but you can make the same argument for Washington or New York. But again, he's keep in mind though he stayed, and again, this is the final thought. Um, he stayed in not only in the East. In the metro, he went from Nashville in the west to out of nowhere the uh, the Capitals, then to the Islanders. There's something about the East Coast he's willingly staying here for. So I think he's going to stay here one more time, and I'm praying that's with the Philadelphia Flyers. I still think Tortorella is going to be the head coach when this is all said and done. Yeah, we'll but probably we'll know by the time our next hockey podcast is because that's exactly it's, it's watch. It's going to happen as soon as we get off and hit done recording. They're going to announce. I don't oh. think it's going to be that quick, but I think they're waiting until the yeah, actual I play. I because yeah. I'm I made this thinking for since the playoffs started. They're waiting till the end of the playoffs to make it. Yeah, uh, hiring probably, but I don't. If I were them, I wouldn't wait too much longer. One good head coach is already off the board. I don't think they need to. They should wait any longer. It's true, but. Bray Trotz has already made it known to everybody that he's taking his time with his decision. So there you go. Ernie. Yeah. Well, until yeah. 
That's so, either we talk hockey or receivers. Yeah, until Monday, I guess would be our next podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll see you.